0: Holy cow, I just got back from my second viewing of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. And I have to say, I loved this movie so much more the second time than I even did the first time. And I loved it the first time around. And you're about to hear my take after my first viewing. I'm here on the microphone again because I had to put my final edits on the track that you're about to hear. And I just had to come on one more time and say, after the second viewing, I am even more fired up about this movie. During my first watch, I think for a few reasons, I was a little bit distracted. And with every scene, I think I was thinking a little bit too much about where the film was going and all of these things. And Really, this second time allowed myself to just fully drop into the experience, and it was completely, completely magical. Some of the question marks that I had on my first watch were really cleared up on the second one, and I just truly had a fantastic experience. The second viewing, a Saturday afternoon viewing, my first was a th- Thursday night, and... As you're going to hear me say, the Thursday night crowd was good. The Saturday afternoon crowd was even better. Lots of laughs, lots of reaction from the audience, clapping and these kind of things. And I always love to experience that as well. So this is the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings moment. Very excited about this film. Going to go see it a couple more times. But what you're about to hear are my first impressions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the First Impressions series here on There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. As always, I'm your host, TK, and if you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at Anidea_Podcast podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So I am here today to talk about my first impressions of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I set a precedent a couple months ago with the release of Black Widow that what I would do for the new theatrical releases in the MCU as they are coming out, and we are going to be getting more and more of them. Over the next couple of months and into next year, that what I would do is, after I've seen the movie for the first time, come on the microphone, give my first impressions, talk about scenes that stood out to me, characters that stood out to me, my big takeaways just from that first initial viewing, talk a little bit about my experience in the theater and so on. And then, after a few weeks, do a full episode in which I have a conversation with a guest and we really dive into the big ideas of the film and get into some analysis and connections in True There Was An Idea of fashion. So definitely look out for that more complete, in-depth review and analysis coming up on the podcast in a few weeks. But for now, here are my first impressions of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Saw this film once so far, Thursday night of its release, IMAX showing, local movie theater, suburban area, not a fully packed theater by any means there was certainly some space it was a 6:45 showing and there were one or two other showings in imax later that night as well as multiple showings uh, in dolby and regular digital as well so not fully packed by any means but definitely a good showing especially considering the reality of the pandemic it was a good crowd um, there were moments of laughing and reaction to what was happening up on the screen and that was really fun Everybody stayed through the first part of the credits and the mid-credit scene, but then there were a few moviegoers, particularly a couple of families, who left before the final scene at the very end of all of the credits. It was a school night after all, and, and after a two and a half hour movie, it was pretty late for some of the kids. I'm curious to see the crowd on the Saturday afternoon viewing that I'm going to shortly. First time I went, I went by myself. This time I'll be going with Lori and Patrick also known as my parents, who have been guests on the podcast before. They talked with me about Ant-Man and the Wasp, and it's kind of attrition now that I am taking them for one of my many viewings of these new MCU movies. And for that showing, we'll be seeing it in the Dolby Cinema surround sound theater. I am looking forward to that as well, and seeing some of the differences experienced between that and IMAX. But enough about all that, let's talk about the movie itself. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings was an absolutely stunning film that completely lived up to. The high expectations that I had for it. This was a film that I have been looking forward to for quite some time. But in the past couple of months, we've had so much MCU content. The shows on Disney Plus that I've been talking about here on the podcast every single week. We've had Black Widow, which I, like many others, was highly anticipating for so long. I love that movie so much that I saw it multiple times in the theaters over the summer and watched it on Disney Plus as well. On top of all that, there's been a new trailer for Eternals and. And the tremendous thing that took over so much of the MCU fandom discussion in recent weeks has been the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. So with all of this exciting stuff going on, Shang-Chi sort of felt like it snuck up on me. This week marked the beginning of a new school year for me as a teacher as well. And when I realized it's Shang-Chi week, I was so excited. Like I said, it kind of took me by surprise. It's here already. So I decided to put my thoughts on the most recent episode of What If, the Doctor Strange episode, to the side for a moment, my thoughts on the Spider-Man trailer, to the side for a moment, and really just drop into the experience of Shang-Chi. I spoke earlier this summer about going to see Black Widow for the first time, the Marvel title cards coming up on the screen and hearing the fanfare, and just the overwhelming excitement that came with seeing that in the movie theater again when it had been so long, but it felt similar going to see Shang-Chi because it was that feeling of, this time, we don't even know who this character is. There are so many opportunities here. There is so much that is going to unfold in front of us. With Black Widow, it was reuniting with a title character who had been beloved for so long and the excitement about seeing this chapter in her life that we hadn't seen and meeting characters related to it. With Shang-Chi, it was brand new. This is a character. who has not been present in any of the prior MCU films. So unlike Spider-Man Homecoming, when we had already met Spider-Man in Civil War, Black Panther, we had already met T'Challa in Civil War. So this was something incredibly new and incredibly fresh. And watching those title cards, I just felt, again, that excitement in my body of what am I about to see on the screen? How How is this going to propel the MCU forward? What new characters am I about to fall in love with? It was incredibly exciting. And then the film opened up with some narration and backstory, setting up the exposition of the story for us. And my initial thought was, "Oh, man, it's never really my favorite when they start off with narration like that. I like it when they throw us into the action with the characters. But any kind of momentary sense of disappointment that I may have felt completely went away when I saw the the absolutely gorgeous fight dance scene between Wen Wu and Shang-Chi's mother whose name is escaping me now at the moment I apologize for that that was incredible it was gorgeous absolutely stunning and the fight choreography was absolutely something that stood was absolutely something that stood out to me as a differentiating factor between this film and a lot of the other MCU films i was really engaged by the hand-to-hand fighting so in that opening scene it's again more like a a dance and then in the scenes that are more traditional fight scenes like Shang-Chi facing off with Razor Fist and the other Ten Rings men on the bus in San Francisco, and then the scene in Macau when they're fighting on the scaffolding of the high-rise building. Those were some of my favorite scenes in the movie because I just loved watching that hand-to-hand level Shang-Chi, other fighters in the Macau scene, his sister Zhu Jialing as well. Just... In those moments you you learn so much about the characters who are involved and their story going on as the fighting is taking place as well. So those are some of my favorite types of fight scenes or larger set pieces in the entirety of the MCU are the ones that that kind of connect with the central character in this really intimate sort of way. So a moment that stands out for me is in Captain America the Winter Soldier, when Steve is fighting with Petroc on the ship. And it's just this intimate moment between the, those two characters and you and you see the expressions on Steve's face and you're learning more about the character and where's he and where he's at in that moment. In Black Widow, the fight scene between Natasha and Yelena when they reunite does much the same thing. It achieves that same goal of indirect characterization through the decisions the characters make in those fights and how they interact with each other. Seeing Shang-Chi's parents in the flashback at the beginning dance as they fight was such a cool way of establishing the connection between those two characters and how they developed their relationship. And this was backstory we didn't we didn't give a ton of time to see, seeing them fall in love and their relationship developing, but we got it in that short sequence by their facial expressions, by the way they move around each other, by the music, by the art direction and everything. Similarly, on the bus, we see Shang-Chi. In that moment, when he's faced by the Ten Rings guys, he is very much Sean, this character, this version of himself that has largely put his past behind him. And he doesn't want to fight. He's not the type of guy who's looking for a fight, despite how talented at fighting he is. So what we see is his connection with Katie and the care he has for her being the thing that kind of propels him to fight back on the bus and obviously that's also the scene in which we learn that he is a badass fighter and the it was just so absolutely cool everything about that sequence the tunnel razor fists razor fist aquafina's character katie driving the bus Aquafina is a character that I think a lot of people like her or don't like her uh, because of her her comedic style. Her comedic style seems to be a little bit polarizing. I was not super familiar with too much of her work before this film. I truly enjoyed her portrayal of Katie in this film. I thought that she brought a good level of kind of quote unquote sidekicky humor. Into it, but but it wasn't humor that detracted from the story. And it also allowed Shang-Chi to show some of his humor, specifically for actor Si Mu Lu, who is a funny guy, if you've seen his work on Kim's Convenience. So it was so cool to see how a scene like the bus scene allowed all of those aspects of what Simu can do as an actor and who this Shang-Chi character is come together in that sequence. And then I also Mentioned the fight scene in Macau on the side of the building. I thought that was fantastic. I don't think it's an accident that the visual of Shang Chi on the outside of the building, holding his hand out to urge Katie to come with him after the Ten Rings have infiltrated the fighting ring that Shang Chi's sister Xiaoling runs. That image for me evoked Aladdin and Jasmine when he's inviting her to inviting her on the magic carpet ride. And a whole new world is the song that that earlier in the movie, Shang Chi and and Katie are are singing together at karaoke. There's a lot more to say about the entire sequence in Macau, including the cameos by Wong and Abomination. I'll certainly get into a lot more detail about all of this stuff in my full Big Ideas episode on Shang Chi. But I loved everything about the Macau sequence; thought it was very cool. I had wrongly predicted when I was on MCU Rewind that. The fighting ring scene would, would take place in Madripoor. So my bad on that. And I'll be recording with those guys in a couple days to do the results episode for our predictions. So you can look out for that coming up. So as I said, we see Wong, we see Abomination and another character from a prior MCU installment that we see is, of course, Trevor Slattery. And I liked the way that they they brought his character back in. I had also wrongly predicted that he would just be a, a tiny cameo um but we saw more of him than i was expecting and tony and al from mcu rewind correctly predicted that slattery has been serving this sort of court jester role for wenwu after he had been been essentially arrested by the ten rings slattery definitely got the biggest laughs from the audience his relationship with the creature morris was was cute and even though it was largely played for comic relief here and i don't think it was absolutely essential to Shang-Chi's story to have Trevor Slattery in this. I do think this is another good example of how the MCU has been very creative and largely effective in going back to earlier installments of the franchise and recontextualizing what Something meant particularly things that particularly aspects of some of the earlier films that that didn't land as well with audiences for whatever reason, or didn't really make sense with where the world was going. So I think the decision to to have a conversation that happens that happens among characters in which they acknowledge the role of Trevor Slattery as the Mandarin during the era of Iron Man 3 as part of this same story instead of pretending like it never happened which I think is the decision that other franchises might have made. So while by no means do I think having the character of Trevor Slattery in the film was essential, and I say that loving Ben Kingsley's performance here, and I did love the humorous moments, and so maybe when I go back a second time, I'll change my thoughts on this, but right now it doesn't feel essential for me to the storytelling of Shang-Chi. That all being said, I do appreciate these efforts by Marvel for continuity and recontextualization. The movie takes a shift after Shang Chi and Katie and Xiaoling meet Trevor Slattery. It's marked by their drive together into the mystical realm of Talos, which was beautiful. I loved the mystical. I loved seeing the mystical realm of Talos and seeing all of the creatures. All that being said, I think for me personally, what stood out more on first watch, what I was connected to more at first watch was the first half of the movie when we're on more of that intimate level with Shang-Chi and the other characters because once they get to Ta Lo, I do love the character of Jingnan who Shang-Chi and Jiangling's and aunt and the information that she shares about their mother is obviously very important and central here, and the exposition that she gives about Talo. So I, I loved her as a character, but but I think the Talo part of the film being a little bit more mystical, being a little bit more magical, and now we have you know a bigger army, and we have dragons, literal dragons flying around. It's a big it's a big shift. It's something that comes up in a lot of the different films across the the MCU. That balance between what's going on more at the ground level and then some of the more fantastical elements of it with the CGI characters, such as the the Great Protector Dragon here and the the soul sucker, soul eater demon from behind the gate. I did think the Great Protector Dragon was very cute, reminded me of Falcor from Neverending Story, which was a film that I really liked as a kid. And it was cool to see to see Shang-Chi riding on him. So don't get me wrong. I like the CGI. I like the creatures. I think, though, that I also just in the moment really wanted more of Shang-Chi and Xialing connecting or maybe just to spend some more time on the ground with Shang-Chi and Wenwu and their relationship or whatever it might be. Again, these are first impressions. So I'm likely to go back into the theater and see it again and see the ways in which they are showing that connection or see really how much time was spent on the dragon CGI, because it felt like a lot of time during my first view, but maybe that's really not the case. So again, I think my thoughts are are going to be developing as I see this movie multiple times. But I want to talk a little bit about Wen Wu, who I think was absolutely fantastic. I think that Tony Leung's performance was tremendous here. That I loved that this film took the approach of of having a villain who, like the other best villains in the MCU, has some human connection to him. In the backstory at the very beginning of the film, he doesn't feel like somebody that you can root for. This guy who is power-hungry and has used these, these tools that he has found or been given or, or stole, we don't really exactly know just yet, but that he's used these tools for for negative purposes. He's built this Ten Rings army, and we know from the original Iron Man that those guys are not good and so at first, he's like, okay, wow, he's this larger-than-life villain. But I like that the majority of the film kind of took him down more to that level of just this man who is struggling with an important loss to him and who we find out is, is being misled by these, these voices. And I thought that some of the most powerful moments in the film occurred between him and Shang-Chi. And I'm really bummed that he's dead because I think it would have been cool to have the opportunity for Wenwu to be in the story again talking post-credit scenes we did see in the the final final scene so the one that's actually post-credits we see that his daughter is poised to take his place and I think that's very very interesting it's not that MCU hasn't done complicated sibling stuff before with Loki and Thor or being the prime examples but this idea of a second film maybe focusing on on Shang-Chi coming up against Xi Lang's version of the 10 rings, just seeing what she's going to do with the 10 rings is really interesting. Obviously, we know the first change that she made was to make it so that they weren't only training boys, which was something that her father had done. Then of course, the realm that is is more representative of her mother and Talo, they do train everyone equally. So, maybe we see her version of the 10 rings bringing in aspects of as as was featured in the trailer uh, with his aunt telling Shang-Chi, right? You are your mother and you are your father, right? So maybe we see her bringing in aspects of both. Uh, maybe Shang-Chi is, becomes more representative of his mother's story. Maybe she becomes more representative of their father's story. Maybe they come to a head. I love what that post-credit scene set up. It's many opportunities for the future. Before I talk about the mid-credit scene for a second, just want to go back, back to that line and Shang-Chi encompassing both of his parents' And I love that we see in the fight between him and Wenwu that the color surrounding the rings when Wenwu is controlling them is this blue color. And then when they move to Shang-Chi, it's this orange color. The blue seeming to be more of the palette associated with his dad in this movie, and the gold seeming to be associated more with his mom. So I kind of like this idea. And because I had noticed that in the trailer and I was kind of looking out for that, I noticed earlier in the film when they first arrive at Talo. Shang-Chi is wearing is wearing a, a bomber jacket that is blue and gold. So I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, so ending of the film, Shang-Chi and Katie talking to their friends in San Francisco about their wild adventures. Portal shows up. Wong tells Shang-Chi and Katie to come with him. I'm glad that the post-credit scene brought us there because I was very curious as to what the heck was going on. So in true MCU fashion, they use this post-credit scene to make some connections to other films in the MCU's in this case, specifically setting things up for future installments. And this movie was such an incredible origin story that I didn't feel like I needed cameos by other MCU actors. I didn't feel like I needed it to set up something else coming in phase four. But all that being said, of course, like any fan, (laughs) I was very excited to see Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner on the screen. Then, of course, and he's there in hologram. And then, of course, it pans. And I was like, well, if whoever's here is here in hologram, it can be anybody. Who's it going to be? And it was Carol Danvers, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, another character who I really love. So That was very cool. We got some information from this post credit scene about where we might be going next in the MCU and the characters who might be involved in it, and more about the Ten Rings themselves, which was a question that was kind of looming over the entire movie. So very much looking forward to talking about that more on my full Shang-Chi deep dive episode. All right, I'm going to wrap up my first impression thoughts here because because there is so much more that I want to say, and there are so much more that I'm wondering about. And I know that some of my questions will be answered on my second and subsequent watches of the film, and I really can't wait to get to it. So as always, thank you for listening at an idea underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram if you have any questions, comments, and want to follow me for some updates and behind the scenes extras. And thank you for listening.